It is the Let's Make It Better podcast, Lucky 13 episode. We are coming at you live with the great Mark Edelwein music as our backdrop. I'm Chris, that is Bob, and welcome to episode 13 of the Let's Make It Better podcast. How are you doing this evening, sir? I am doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I have uh, most of my Christmas shopping done. Uh, I got a few things that are still coming uh, either tomorrow by UPS or um, some imaginable date if they come via FedEx. Uh, FedEx seems to be struggling a little bit more than UPS in terms of figuring out how to deliver packages, but that's okay. Um, Most all of my shopping though is done. That's the main thing. I may just have to rush in my wrapping uh, at the end. Uh, You were out tonight, right? That's awesome. Um, I was out last night. I uh, got a few things. It's uh, it's getting harder and harder to shop. You know, with adult children, they have what they want. Uh, just finding things for them that are unique and still true to their personalities gets a little more difficult. Um, but uh, yeah, I got out a little bit. Still have a laundry list of things to get. Um, I know what I want. I know where I need to go. I just need to do it. So, so are you I'm going? Gonna- utility based for your kids or are you trying to find things that are sort of unique and uh, meaningful um, I'm going unique and meaningful um, so you know something that they would enjoy and what I want to try to do is deliver experiences more than things now that that experience could be a thing like say a very nice game that they could play with family and friends or whatever but they still out of that get the experience so you bought him a deck of cards? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Bicycle. Those are good cards. I uh, did similar. I actually bought, you know, I did some handmade stuff this year. I did uh, some experiential type stuff because they can go out and do their own things. One of my kids is uh, old enough to, uh, you know, if bars were open or was old enough to go out and do bar stuff. So I tried to buy some experiential things. I think, you know, frankly, we, we uh, there's no way to tangibly or quantifiably measure value in gifts other than dollar value, which is disappointing uh, because I, I wish that we could be equal with our kids to get them things that are equally impactful regardless of what they cost. Uh, but that's tough. We end up just going down and saying, oh, we got 30 more dollars we got to spend on on uh, you know kid number two or kid number three or whatever. And uh, so you're running out just trying to fill in the blanks. I, I just really wish there was a way of being able to just qualitatively buy gifts that said, okay, there we go. I've, I've made a, I made an impact uh, that I wanted to make and it's an equal one, but that's hard. That's really hard. Very. Yep. Yep. And it, it just gets harder as they get older. Yeah. But that's, that's the Christmas season. It's kind of the way it is with spouses too, right? You can't buy them the new vacuum cleaner you need. Um, even though that might be something <laughs> they'd appreciate, you, you really got to find something that, that matters. And, um, you know, that's one of the struggles I have with, um, Christmas in general is just the people who give you a list. I appreciate the list, especially if it's someone I don't know very well. Um, but generally speaking, I'd rather just buy things that I think you'd like and then, you know, have to spend the time thinking about it. And then hopefully I've spent the time thinking about it and gotten close or at least found something that, that, you know, you know, was a surprise to that individual versus just a shopping list. I don't like the shopping list. I don't like gift cards. Um, but that's really hard. I mean, granted that is really hard, but then that also means that maybe instead of buying 15 presents, you're buying a, present because it took you two months to figure out what that present 
should be. And that seems like a better, it seems like a better route, doesn't it? It just feels better. It, it does feel better. On the other hand, you may not know what that person has already. And again, I go back to the example of my children. I don't entirely know what they have. I'm assuming that if there's something that they were doing without, they've probably bought it for themselves. And there's nothing really coming to mind that says, oh, this is really cool. Everyone should have one of these. I will buy that. There's just none of that in 2020 for me. Your kids like to read because that's always the, that's the go-to for people whose kids like to read is to just go find a book because there are thousands of books every year that come out, right? Um, no. I don't have that luck. Um, uh, three, three of the four uh, do like to read and I'm including in-laws and then of course the son and daughter-in-laws. Um, so yeah, three of the four do in fact read, although one of them might just read Star Wars books only. I don't know. That, that's true. You have in-laws to buy for, um, which adds a whole another element to the whole Christmas season, right? Because you've got one of them, what I would say, what, the most senior in terms of being part of your family is maybe, what, 18 months? To, is, is, do you have someone who's been married for more than 24 months at this point in your uh, house? No, it'll be 24 early next year so. Getting there, barely, but yeah, barely yeah. know them at this point uh, to figure out what they might like. I mean, you might know them a little bit, but you know, not like you've known them, you know, their whole life, like you do your kids. So that's tricky. Yep, for sure. Yeah, I don't know how you how you manage that, but uh, whatever. Yeah, it's gifts in general are hard, and uh, I guess they should be. You know, I, I have my Christmas cards out this year. I, you know, I was pretty uh, impressed. You know, something was very interesting this year. Um, so I sent my first docket of Christmas cards out for all the people for whom I had addresses. And certainly my, my immediate family, I had addresses for all those folks. Um, the day I sent my cards out and then just doing the math on when my card should have arrived, all of my family, all of my siblings' cards arrived in my mailbox. So everyone in my family apparently mailed their cards on the exact same day. <laughs> Uh, which is which is pretty amazing. I thought um, I was I was actually startled by that when I came came home two days after I mailed mine and noticed that I had all of my siblings and my my parents' card in the mailbox that day. Are you are you mailing cards this year? And by the way, no judgment if you're not. I'm actually kind of impressed by people who who can kind of you know resist the urge uh, to mail cards. Um, I've done it the past two years, and I haven't done the the photo card. I've just found, uh, you know, a generic card that I, I thought was funny and maybe displayed a little bit of my personality and mailed that out to people. No long notes, no letters, just, uh, you know, hey, have a Merry Christmas. Um, just to let people know that I'm thinking about them, and I'll probably do the same again this year. I'm just behind. I haven't actually bought the cards yet, so I need to, need to take care of that. I did both this year. I, we had photos because we had a graduation this year. We had senior photos this year. So I had, I had pictures to choose from and that's just quite frankly, it's a dodge to be able to do the photo card. So I did that. But I also, I, every other year I write a letter. I don't want write one every year, but every other year I write a letter. And this year was the year for me to write a letter. And uh, I don't know, I always try to be self-deprecating in my letter. So people, I always kind of you know, try to point out that I feel sorry for people having to read my letter when it comes in the mail, or <laughs> let's be honest, probably not read my letter when it comes in the mail. But, you know, to me, I, my handwriting is just crap. Um, and, uh, you know, if I was going to sign their card or write a little note, no one would be able to read it. So I feel like, all right, this is the effort I put in. I sit down and I spend an hour or whatever writing my card or writing my letter, I should say, to put in the card. Uh, and then I send it off. I'm impressed 
every year when I get cards, when I open it up and there's a handwritten note from people and, you know, I, a lot of these people I'm not like an immediate friend with. So I'm thinking how many, you know, 80, 90 cards, did you write this handwritten paragraph into and then the handwritten address on the front and it's perfectly legible. Uh, I'm, I'm just in awe of that because that is not a skill that I have. I can't write at all. I mean, I'm so out of practice. It's, it's probably sad, frankly, but I guess it doesn't come into play in modern life. I can't imagine the writer's cramp that goes along with that. I, oh, I send out under 40 cards and most of them just say Merry Christmas and, uh, you know, sign my name. And I have writer's cramp after that. Could you imagine doing a short letter in each one or note? Yeah, Thanks. I had the... I had the printer this year actually print the envelopes for me this year. So I had the picture card, I uploaded the addresses. Um, so, you know, if you're on my Christmas card list, uh, congratulations, I've uploaded your address into the cloud. So that's probably now been um, consumed by China. Um, but <laughs> I've, uh, yeah, absolutely. So, but uh, so the, the, the cards all came pre-printed. Um, I didn't sign the cards this year. Usually at least I sign them. I didn't even do that this year. I, I just picked out a script in, uh, in the, uh, you know, the text editor I was using and uh, put our names at the bottom of it and printed it. So all I really did is fold the letters, put them in an envelope, affix a stamp. And uh, that was my deal. But you know what? I, I feel like that, if that's not enough effort, you know, screw you. You know, if you look at this and you go, um, <laughs> Where, where's the handwritten note? Where's the sentiment? Where's the this? Where's the that? Well, it's in the fact that I did it. You know, I could have just as easily not done it. So, you know what, if that's your, if that's your concern, check this box and it'll automatically remove you from my Christmas card list next week, next year. The, the old unsubscribe from Christmas list. Unsubscribe. Hey, let's talk about some news. 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 All right, quickly becoming the most popular part of our first segment because it's becoming the only thing in our first segment, which is pretty cool. Hey, um, I am, uh, we did a college visit last um, weekend because uh, my son, of course, is graduating this year. And uh, we went to a college, I'm not going to say which, but uh, the person pointed at the um, one of the buildings and uh, noted that there was a large dome at the top of us, top of it. And uh, she, who was a graduate student, told us that uh, that observatory is really cool because if you're a member of the astrology department, you get to go up there and look at the stars. Um, I didn't correct her, um, but I'm guessing she meant astronomy. Uh, <laughs> I don't think she meant that if you're, you know, an Aries, um, you know, and you're adventurous, you get to go up there and do it. But yeah, she said astrology. Um, I just let it go. Whatever you're, you're paying for the education you're getting, honey. If, if you think that means astrology, then, then that's your deal. Hey, but that, that, that drives me towards this headline, which is astronomers have detected possible radio missions, emissions, I should say from an exoplanet. I don't know what an exoplanet is. Do you know what an exoplanet is? Isn't an exoplanet a planet like earth? Or am I very wrong on that? Uh, I have no idea. I literally have no idea what an exoplanet is. I mean, exo, like exoskeleton, wouldn't that be something outside? Um, like outside our solar system? Do you think it's like Earth, an exoplanet? Um, yeah, well, no, you're, I, I'm agreeing with you outside our solar system. Okay. Um, you don't know, do you? You're just peddling no, now at this no, point. You have no idea. Yeah, I have no idea. Hey, yeah. You know, actually, you know what? At this point, if if you know, 
And by you, I mean everybody that's not you, Bob, because I know I could tell you were peddling because I don't know what it is and you don't know what it is. If you know out there in our listening audience what an exoplanet is, uh, make it better notes at gmail.com, M-A-K-E-I-T-B-E-T-T-E-R-N-O-T-E-S at gmail.com. You can drop us a line and let us know. Leave us a voice memo if you want on your phone, some, some information. Make it bet two uh, on the Twitter. Follow us and uh, tweet us what an exoplanet is or be embarrassed that we don't know what one is regardless. But uh, whatever and, and an now exoplanet we, is. Now we know so we can judge other answers coming in. I know. I can be a judge. You can be a judge if you want to be. Do you actually know? Did you Google I, it yet? I do know. I do know. It's, right. Do we want to give away now or do we want people I, to send in their answers and we will judge them harshly? Fair enough. Let's actually tease this. So, yeah, send it on in and then we will regroup on this in a subsequent episode uh, because we have now Googled it. So, therefore, it is a known. It is settled science. It has been Googled. Mm -hmm. So by monitoring the cosmos with a radio telescope array, Cornell University-led international team of scientists has detected radio bursts emanating from the constellation, oh boy, B-O-O, and the second O has an umlaut, like Motley Crue, uh, T-E-S, which to me, as I pronounce this, it's booties. Uh, so uh, emanating from the constellation booties. I don't know what that constellation is, um, but I'm pretty sure I know the shape. The signal could be the first radio emission collected from a planet beyond our solar system. That's sort of a hint. The team led by Cornell postdoctoral researcher Jake D. Turner, Philippe Zarka of the Observatoire de Paris, uh, Paris, Paris Sciences at La Trie University, and Jean Mathias Grasmer. Okay, some people in the forthcoming research section of the Journal of Astronomy and Astrophysics on December 16th, we present one of the first hints of detecting an exoplanet in the radio realm, Turner said. The signal is from the Tau Booty system, which uh, contains a binary star and an exoplanet. Uh, we make the case for an emission by the planet itself from the strength and polarization of the radio signal and the planet's magnetic field, its compatibility with theoretical prediction. Okay, I'm gonna stop here. Uh, at some point, we're going to do space travel as a topic for the Let's Make It Better podcast, because I got to tell you, I have a more and more uh, or, a, or a less and less, perhaps, uh, uh, interest in space. Uh, I just don't care. I read this crap and I go, great. That's that's really awesome. I have no this gives me no value. This this doesn't fill me with any sense of adventure. Uh, I'm not excited to hear this information. Um, I just don't care. I don't know how you feel about it. We'll maybe explore it on another episode. I don't know. Do, do you, do you, uh, were you just, you know, in, incredibly excited to hear the rest of the paragraphs of this news story? Uh, I'm not, I'm not, I, I get excited when, you know, they find a, a UFO underwater and, uh, you know, can't quite explain what it is, but recognize that it is something talking about our, our government. Um, that, that excites me a little bit, but this whole radio signal coming from bazillions of miles away, uh, you know, obviously there's another Earth-like planet out there spinning around a star that has 6G and we're still stuck at 5G. So um, send us the technology and then I'll be excited. 6G. I'm all in favor of 6G. That's probably, uh, you're probably able to watch, you know, the new episodes, uh, you know, in your favorite series on Netflix prior to them even being released on 6G. I'm I would guessing. think so. Yeah. yeah. 
got to be that. Yeah, fast. I would imagine on Disney Plus right now, it's like season five of Mandalorian at this point. Uh, if you had 6G. You had to, but do you have to watch them backwards? I hope I, not. I, I can't even stay awake during the first two seasons. And you know this. Uh, about I do me. know that. I, I don't, the, this season has been really good. Last three episodes have been amazing. This is what I'm told. This is what I'm told. But sorry, I just have. A, I, I have been watching Cobra Kai. Uh, have enjoyed that a bit. Although I even bo- got bored with that. Uh, I don't know. I guess I'm lame. I don't know. Hey, Starling's aerial antics behind mystery of Scott's power outages. That is our next uh, next a headline. So the mystery surrounding a string of unexplained power cuts across a small town in Scotland has been solved after video footage revealed the culprits. Starling's uh, dancing on power lines. So these would be Starling's, of course, the bird, uh, much like what, uh, you know, the last name of Clarice in Sounds of the Lambs, if you will. Uh, the birds murmur, murmur, what is this word? Boy, that showed my Minnesotan there with my ufta. The birds murmurations are thought to be behind the baffling spate uh, of evening blackouts in earth. Uh, their uh, combined mass bouncing uh, on the overhead electricity lines has, has been causing the power to trip. Their antics were discovered by Neil McDonald, a lead uh, engineer at the Scottish Power who had been left stumped by the unexplained outages after regular checks on the overhead lines. He solved the mystery after setting out to investigate the power lines on an evening walk and used a camera phone. Really? Is that what we call it now? Do we call him a camera phone now? Camera phone. I don't think we call him a camera phone. He just used his phone. I think you could say he just used his phone to capture the spectacle for his colleagues. I don't think anyone's confused. No one's thinking he's got like a avocado green uh, old rotary phone that he's run out there and faced up towards the cosmos right I mean, <laughs> he's got an iphone he's got a samsung galaxy whatever he's got uh he captured the spectacle for his colleagues in all my 14 years working for sp energy networks i have never seen anything like it for all the birds looked small the sheer number of them caused the wires to bounce up and down as they danced on and off he said thousands of birds weighed down the lines each time they landed and mass he explained and the murmuration would set off in unison causing the lines to clash together and trigger an outage have you seen the movie the birds the alfred hitchcock movie the birds tippy hendren and uh tippy hedren uh with where the birds all uh, leash together uh to attack humankind yeah coming to get you Yeah. One of my favorites, although not the best movie. Um, It's just, it's fun for the concept uh, of that movie. Um, And I have a person who grew up on a farm, uh, spent a lot of time in a hay mount baling hay for us and for our our neighbors and uh, have been dive bombed by one too many barn swallows. And I can tell you that uh, I don't like birds to this day. Um, Did you have, have murmurations of birds dive bombing you though? I don't know what the word for it is. You might as well call it murmurations. I think I yelled everything I knew at them. Murmuration probably came out of my mouth at some point. Uh, but you know what? When you've got this diving and, and darting sort of uh, uh, Jurassic being coming at you with little uh, leathery pointy feet and floppy, uh, floppy uh, wings and a pokey beak uh, screaming and screeching and flopping all over the place, um, you know, you know, why do people think birds are cute, but bats are scary? They're really not that much difference between the two. And uh, I just, I just don't like birds. That's me. I don't like birds. Not, not, a, not a fan of the birds. All right. 
Could I was, you on know? A, I was on a conference call the other day with someone who had a pet bird and uh, she was sitting at her desk on the webcam and she was talking to me and all of a sudden she said, okay, I got to go over here and get more coffee. And she reached to her right and, and grabbed off camera uh, what appeared to be like a cockatoo, I guess, or a Beretta. I'm not sure which it was on. It was the guy, remember Beretta from the seventies. He had a white bird. I don't know what that was. Uh, oh, his yeah. name, his yep. name was Beretta. But she picked up this bird and she literally, swear to God, put it on her head. It sat there. It just sat there. And then she got up and she walked away. And I, I called out, what the hell, right? Why, why do you have a bird on your head? Why did you feel like you put it on your head? Apparently, that's what you do if you're a bird owner. Um, I'm not a bird owner. Don't want to be. And that creeped me out. Not going to lie. Creeped me out. <laughs> right. So you want to want to creep out Chris and get yourself a bird, put it on your shoulder and just walk around with it. Well, I just think it's an odd, I mean, there's one thing if you're carrying a cat or you're petting a puppy or you're throwing the tennis ball to the dog, um, you know, I don't know. I just, birds are weird. So, you know, whatever. If you're in that class of pet owner, um, good for you. Glad you're happy. I'm not you. So let it go. Uh, speaking of weird, um, you know, there is, uh, there are C-less celebrities there are B-list celebrities or A-list celebrities, right? So if we're going to go with a, uh, let's, let's stress ourselves here. A C-list celebrity would be somebody like who? Somebody like, um, uh, boy, what name could we throw out that would be a good C-list celebrity? Anyone from the Big Brother TV show, the reality Beautiful. TV series. Beautiful. And a B-level celebrity would be somebody who is like a supporting actor in, in a movie, right? Um, somebody like a... Uh, um, like a Tim, Timothy Bus, Busfield, right? Who was, he's been a, he's been a guy who showed up in a whole lot of movies. You could even say that like John Voight would almost be a B-level actor, right? Because even though he's been in a lot of big movies and he's Angelina Jolie's dad, he's just sort of a character actor. He's one of those guys in a lot of movies, right? He's a B-league actor. Uh, when, when you get to A-league though, uh, I think Tom Cruise would be your A-league, right? Harrison Ford, Tom Cruise, uh, Julia Roberts, right? These are A-League. Uh, Tom Hanks, would you agree? Yes, absolutely. I, I, you know, it almost seems like A isn't high enough for a few of those names. But yeah, these are definitely your A-list a stars. Well, and there's a cross-section across those stars too, right? Because you've got like the Sandra Bullocks who are just quietly super successful. And uh, maybe even you would say that about Julia Roberts or... Uh, you know, some of the others who just, or even, even Harrison Ford, that even though he's had some scandals, they, they've really just been Harrison being too drunk and, you know, and whatnot and being too crazy and crashing planes. But then you've got a cross section of people like the Angelina Jolies uh, and the Tom Cruises who always seem to be maintain their A-list celebrity status, but yet are just a little, they've just got a little Michael Jackson in them. Right? Is that a fair way of saying they got just a little bit of Neverland Ranch craziness uh, inside them? Right? Yeah, a little little oddity to to throw in a package there for sure. So I'm interested in your take on this. So uh, this surfaced today. Uh, Tom Cruise, righteous leader or raving lunatic? So uh, Tom Cruise, some audio has been leaked of him scolding members of the Mission Impossible Seven crew. So now Mission Impossible Seven, and by the way, I love the Mission Impossible movies. I really do. They're just darn entertaining. Uh, but that is one of the few movies that is actually being filmed now in this whole COVID nonsense that we've got going on. 
and so he was caught on tape scolding some members of the Mission Impossible 7 crew. And I've actually got the audio here. Let's see if I can play it. I'm going to pop the volume up here a little bit. So here you go. Let's see if you can hear some of this now. You're back here in Hollywood making movies right now because of us. All right, this goes on for probably three and a half, four minutes of uh, him just basically lighting up his staff. And uh, so this story goes on to talk about whether or not, uh, you know, well, how are we supposed to take this, right? And I don't need to go through all the hand wringing. I was curious what your take was. I, first of all, I mean, I'll just leave it that before I give you my opinion. What was your take when you could, first of all, could you hear what he was saying? I had the, I had the benefit of the uh, subtitles because I'm watching what was a video. Uh, when, when I listened to it, I, I could hear it. Um, it was muffled, obviously, because it, it's clear he's wearing a mask. Um, mm -hmm. others, others were not. Uh, you know, my my initial take is: here's a guy trying to protect something. I, I don't know that the issue was necessarily the proximity of the employees or, or not wearing a mask. It sounds to me like there's something else going on that has them on edge already. And, and this is the one thing that put him over the edge. That's just my opinion. I have no facts to back that up. It's just what it sounds like to me. Well, I don't have any reason to disagree with that because I have no idea either. I will give you my opinion on this in just a few minutes. Uh, that's segment number one, Let's Make It Better podcast. We're gonna come back. We're gonna talk a little bit more, actually a lot more about Tom Cruise. Our topic this week is actually going to be Tom Cruise movies, which seems like an odd topic. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and admit that. But we're coming up on the holiday season, and uh, this is something worth exploring because he has a an interesting character where Hollywood movies are concerned and where Hollywood actors are concerned. Let's make a better podcast. Segment number one. We will be back in a couple. We'll see you then.
That is Tom Cruise losing his SH1 team. Uh, if I were to text that to somebody, uh, not happy with members of his Mission Impossible 7 crew. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Before we do, though, Mark Alewine Music. MarkAlewineMusic.com is the bumper music you heard me uh, playing there underneath the one and only Tom Cruise. He has lots and lots of original music, music you can buy. Uh, music that you can use in your own production, music that you can use as your own uh, vehicle for marketing, vehicle for your own uh, professional exploits. MarkAlewineMusic.com, a great partner of the Make It Better podcast. Bob, I think we're going to have Mark on our show for a special holiday episode at some point. Um, we're having some scheduling challenges, but generally we are going to have him soon, and hopefully he is going to bring a guitar or a an accordion or maybe a, uh, a hurdy-gurdy. I mean, does he play one of those? I don't uh, know if he plays a hurdy-gurdy. Um, I, I know that he's a huge fan of bagpipes and banjos. Uh, the so. Vuzu, Zuzuzela, Vuvuzela. Does he play that? Uh, I, I don't know. I know that I have asked if I could join his uh teams of musicians in the past playing the kazoo, and he said no. So uh, he's very particular about the instruments that he plays and allows, apparently. Well, he's got judgment. That's obvious. Uh, but anyway, MarkAlewineMusic.com. Check it out. Uh, we always link to it in our show notes because he is a great supporter of ours, and we have him, and uh, we appreciate that very much. So I, I played there under, uh, under or over uh, Mark's Don't Take the Bait uh, a few, few seconds again of, of Tom Cruise yelling at his Mission Impossible 7 cast um, so here was my take. Your take was there's more to this story. I 100% agree with you. Um, but I also think there's more to this story in the sense that um, I actually was really encouraged hearing him yell at his crew. Uh, number one, um, when was the last time you heard somebody who's probably rather woke? I mean, let's let's separate the whole Scientology and all that crap out of this conversation. So I get it. There's 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 baggage here with Tom Cruise. Uh, but you can't deny the fact that here is a very successful person with a very large um, uh, industry underneath him in terms of budget and in terms of, like as he said, jobs and, and investment and things. Uh, and and uh, you're hearing him really laying it on the line to his employees. Um, and right or wrong, who knows what the circumstances were. There were some things in there that he said. He said, I'm on the phone every day with insurance companies. I'm on the phone every day. Uh, with uh, with uh, producers that are looking at us and what we're doing. They're using us in as, essentially as an example. And if you look at where we are right now with COVID, um, they're trying to actually work. They're trying to actually stay open and do things. And um, they're right now allowed to do it. I don't know if they're filming in California. Most of California is shut down. Uh, wherever they're filming, it's obviously not something that's necessarily uh, a given that they'd be able to do. And uh, so he's looking at his employees sort of shirking their really probably basic responsibility to do whatever, wear a mask, wash their hands, keep their distances, you know, wipe down workstations, whatever. And he's losing his mind. He's like, what the hell? I've got all of these responsibilities. We're, we're kind of a beacon. We're out front trying to prove that we can do this. And you're screwing it up because you won't do something simple. I, I, I was actually a little bit sad. Surprisingly, I was encouraged 
by that. And I think you're right. Maybe there is more to this story. I guess to me, the more to the story was this had very little to do with somebody not cleaning up or wearing a mask and had everything to do with a lot of stress that he must be carrying right now. Yeah, it, it, the stress level is definitely high. You can hear that coming through, uh, regardless of what he's actually ranting about. There, there's a, a load of stress behind that. I'm going to flip the coin a little bit, though. Actually, I'm going to flip it a lot, and I'm going to say Tom Cruise is probably worth a couple million bucks, maybe, maybe a little more than a couple million. So, you know, how worried is he about people not working, losing their jobs, and who is he thinking about? Is he thinking about? his fellow actors, is he thinking about the, the crews that are out there that aren't working right now? Um, I just, I looked at Hollywood and all the mo money that goes through there and it's like, are these people really suffering or are they getting a nice vacation? I don't know the answer to that, but that was the first thing that came to my mind. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna again, I'm gonna, again, I'll clarify this. He has a checkered past, I get that. He's affiliated with some things that maybe aren't the most positive. But I'll flip, I'll flip you again, and I'll say, you're right. He, and I just looked it up. He's worth between 550 to $600 million, so somewhere around a half a billion dollars. Um, he doesn't need to work, right? So, yeah, he may be working because of his ego. He may be working for, you know, lots of different reasons, right, that he thinks he needs to be out there in the public eye. Uh, but he could just as easily just you know, go back to Malibu and hang out on the beach for the next 35 years and who cares? Um, which is why I think actually I'm encouraged by the fact that he's losing his mind about the fact that, you know, and he's focusing on people's jobs. These are people's jobs that could be in trouble. Um, so my first listen to this, that was my first reaction was, wow, here's a guy who shouldn't care. And uh, he's really upset and he's caring. And you're probably right to say there's more to the story, but I was at least encouraged in the idea uh, that, uh, you know, for him, if this thing shuts down and he has to go away for two years, whatever. Uh, but for the guy who's working the uh, working the food trailer, or for the person who's uh, you know the the you know the production assistant, they probably don't have that luxury, especially when apartments are you know a million dollars in uh, in L.A. Well, that's a really good point. And uh, you do mention the the food trailer guy uh, who's you know just barely scraping by. I'm sure. Um, they don't have a lot of options if they get shut down and it, it's fortunate that some place like you know what is this tom cruise productions i don't know what the studio actually is but it's fortunate that um they're able to continue work because i'm sure in california much of that stuff is shut down so they're 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 squeaking, squeaking through the the regs and laws and whatever else somehow um to be able to continue to do that so Tom Cruise's production company, I think is, is it Sky Dancer? Sky, I, I don't remember. You, as soon as you said that, it made me think he, I, he, it's, it's something, it's Sky something. I don't remember uh, what it is called, but yeah, he does have a, I don't even know if that's the production company that owns um, Mission Impossible, the whole franchise there. But, um, you know, as we go into our topic for this week, it is interesting because, I played a little game with my family uh, and I'm going to, this is going to be a bit of a meandering episode, uh, no doubt, because it's that kind of year, right? It's that time of year as it's getting in to be the Christmas time. And I played a game with my family. I want to play it with you right now. So if you look at uh, uh, all of the actors for the last, you know, 35 years and you look at somebody like Tom Hanks, 
Is it fair to say Tom Hanks has a unique position among American actors in terms of movies that he's in, movies he's played, and, and just his iconography uh, in American cinema and celebrity life? Would you look at Tom Hanks and you know specifically kind of just be able to say, wow, he's kind of different than everybody else? He does stand out. Where he stands out for me is uh, the movies that he, he's in. It's about the one character. It's focused on that one person and the story of that one person. And he's able to carry that through from beginning to end. He doesn't need a big supporting cast. He, he is the cast. Um, and I think that's what put Tom, puts Tom in a unique position. So if you look at Tom, at Tom Hanks, he probably started on Booze and Bodies in the late 70s, early 80s. So that's now 40 some years ago. Mm-hmm. So if you were going to look in the, last, in, the, in the last, let's say, 20 years and forward, is there another individual that you would look at and say, well, here is this generation's Tom Hanks. And who would that be? And I picked somebody, but I'll give you, I'll give you a hint. It was not Tom Cruise. I'm just curious because they're almost the same age. Mm-hmm. Uh, but who would you pick that would be this generation's kind of that new Tom Hanks? The new Tom Hanks. Uh, who is that? Uh, what's his name? You'll know it right off the top of your head. The Guardians of the Galaxy guy. Oh, uh, yeah. The, uh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Uh, 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 Chris. Chris. Pratt. Chris Pratt. That's it. Chris Pratt. Starts on Parks and Rec as a, a character actor, not a character actor, but just someone who's on an episode every now and again. Um, and now he's the guardian of the galaxy guy. He's, he's a Marvel superhero. Um, I, I think that that guy's going to take off. He's famous now. Um, and I, I think it's just going to keep getting bigger for him. Hello? I'm still here. Did I, did I lose you? My audio cut out for just a second. Are you still there? I'm here. Are you here? I am here. I'm going to make sure that doesn't happen again by disconnecting the thing that caused it to happen. There, that's gone now. Okay, I thought so you were so disgusted by my... I thought no. you were so disgusted by my Chris Pratt comment that you were like, I'm out, I'm out, I'm done. I quit. This I can't is, work with this guy anymore. This is the danger of technology being too good. Um, I, have a, I have a headset here that's connected to both the laptop that I use to record and my phone. And when my phone rings, it takes over my headset to tell me, hey, somebody's calling. Uh, and it's, you know, before when we just plugged these things into a computer, there was no question. The wire went into the socket, right? And it was sort of like, you know, point A to point B. There was not a point Z that would suddenly snip my wire, splice in another connection, and screw up my, my jam. But that's where, where we are right now. So sorry about that. That's what happened there. It only happens about, oh, 15 times a day, by the way. Uh, so that's, <laughs> that's not annoying at all. So you said Chris Pratt. That's not a bad guess. Um, I actually agree with you. I think there's a few other actors, too, that – So I would, but I would say that Chris Pratt's on his way to be there. And, in fact, I think I heard that in your description. I think um, – uh, Chris Pratt, potentially, I think, uh, Ryan, who's the guy who was in Deadpool? Uh, one of the Ryans. I always get him confused. Ryan Reynolds? That's it. I think he could be on his way to go there. I think there are a, a, a number of different actors that could be on their way to go there. Here's who I picked. And uh, what I found out was it was a bad pick because their age isn't all that different between Tom Hanks and this person. I uh, pick a very woke pick, by the way. I pick Sandra Bullock. 
And the reason really? I pick Sandra Bullock is because if you look at Tom Cruise, you look at Sandra Bullock, they pick roles that are kind of all across the board. You know, you know, Hanks has been in Philadelphia. He was in, uh, he was in uh, Forrest Gump. He was in Saving Private Ryan. He's been, he's been just all over the board and he just shows up in all these different roles. Uh, Sandra Bullock too. She's been an action inventor, ro romantic comedies, uh, all across the board. And she's sort of the America's sweetheart, right? Tom Hanks is sort of the America's guy. And there aren't too many people who have a bad thing to say about Tom Hanks, other than that he's always the same guy in a movie or whatever. And you would say, there aren't that many people who have that many bad things to say about Sandra Bullock either. So that's where my head went. Um, go ahead and tear that apart if you want, but that's where my I, head. I don't think I can. I think that's a really good choice. Um, was the, the Netflix show she was in, uh, you know, don't take your blindfold off. Uh, of bird, bird, bird Box. Bird Box. Bird Box. But again, I mean, she took the lead on that. It didn't need a lot of other actors. I had her um, and, and she did great with the role. So there's, there's certainly more to come for her and uh, bigger and better things for sure. So I brought that up because I think when you look at those caliber of stars, they, they're, they're just in a rarefied air. And what I thought would be kind of fun here, and when we were, since Tom Cruise came up in the news, was for us to kind of walk through some of his film catalog in the second segment and talk about where, where we, where A, number one, if we've seen it, uh, but, but B, whether or not uh, it had any kind of uh, value or anything that, that jumps out to us. So this would be a bit of a meandering uh, episode, but, uh, Hey, that's okay, right? This is a podcast. What the hell? You know, you didn't pay. You didn't pay for this, right? You're not getting any refund. So deal oh, they're, with it. They're, they're paying for it. They're listening. Oh, they're, they're paying for yeah, it. Yeah, well, yeah, well, that's, that's, again, this is, you know, this is your own, you're, this is the price you pay at this point. This is it. Uh, you know, so the very first movie that's listed for Tom, I'm not going to list all of these because literally there are pages here on IMDb. Uh, for Tom Cruise. But the very first movie is uh, Endless Love, where he plays somebody named Billy. I did not see that. Did you see this? This is 1981? Uh, probably not. Probably he was not. also in the movie Taps, which uh, to me, I think that's Sean Penn, uh, which I saw maybe once. I did not remember that Tom Cruise was in it. I'm going to jump by that one because I really want to get to this one. Uh, the first movie that I would have said I remember Tom Cruise in, and that's not bad because it's the third movie listed, 1983, The Outsiders. Tell me you saw The Outsiders with Patrick Swayze and Tom Cruise, of course, and et cetera. I don't know if I've seen it. Oh, for God's sakes. Well, okay, you have, uh, you have uh, now uh, a certain amount of uh, homework for tonight. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola directs this one. Uh, C. Thomas Howell, Matt Dillon, Ralph Macchio, for God's sakes, the Karate Kid is in this movie. Oh, my gosh. Uh, do it for Johnny, man. Do it for Johnny. Um, the Outsiders was great. I did a book report on this uh, book uh, in uh, elementary school, which is to say I watched the movie and then faked it. Uh, but The uh, Outsiders is a, a great movie, and Tom Cruise is sort of a caricature. Just He's just this chiclet-teethed greaser uh, in The Outsiders. But you didn't see it. So we'll move on beyond that one. Uh, did you see Losing It uh, with, uh, boy, I, I want to say, who was it? Was it, um, trying to remember the, the, uh, the female lead in that movie. And it Shelley Long. I, I think so. That's what had struck me is, but I don't see her listed here uh, in the first credits, which surprises me, but I thought it was Shelley Long. It, there she is. She's about five deep in the, uh, in the list here. I would have thought she would have been a larger name in this movie, but yeah, Shelley Long. Yeah. So obviously you saw losing it too, right? 
maybe. <laughs> I, I don't know. I know Shelley Long, however, was in losing it. Yeah, it wasn't much of a movie. I saw it maybe once and I forgot that. But yeah, I, I, it's funny. I did remember Shelley Long too, but I didn't see her and I was surprised. But I remember very little else about the movie. Other than that, of course, the title is is sort of self-explanatory, teen angst, uh, you know, college movie. Uh, everybody has seen Risky Business, uh, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the movie with uh, Tom being home alone there and dancing in his tidy whities I didn't like Risky Business. I'm one of the few people probably who didn't. Did you like Risky Business? No, it's a take it or leave it kind of movie for me. It wasn't great. It wasn't bad. And, you know, typical storyline. Oh, gee, there's something's lost. I have to find it and not break it and return it before mom and I get home. Yeah, Re Rebecca De Mornay, of course, plays the prostitute in that. Uh, I think everybody remembers Risky Business just for the dance scene there for, for what it was. It's somewhat iconic. Uh, I just, I never really found it to be that great of a movie. Uh, All the Right Moves, the football movie. Uh, did you see that one? 1983, uh, now we're up to. That movie, I did not see. Yeah, I, I, again, a lot of these are ones I probably saw once. Um, a couple of these, I'm thinking they are probably known as much for the soundtrack. And I think All the Right Moves had a, had a soundtrack uh, with a popular song in it, which, which escapes me right now. And it's take, take me too long to figure out. Uh, actually, here it is. Uh, no, I don't see anything I recognize there. But All the Right Moves, again, a football movie, you know, kind of forgettable. Um, let's move on from that one. I'm going to skip that one, 85, because I'm going to jump ahead here. The next three movies, actually four or five. Now, this is really where Tom, Tom Cruise took off, and you'll see why. Uh, the next movie I'm going to jump to, uh, one after Legend, is in 1986, Top Frickin' Gun. Uh, I'm assuming you saw Top Gun. What, what multiple? Wait, are you, is it a multiple of eight, multiple of nine that you've seen Top Gun? I, I don't even know if I could come because not only did I enjoy Top Gun and watch it many times, but my son also enjoyed Top Gun and watched it many times. So I got to relive it all and watch it with my son. Did, uh, did it strike you? What, at what age did it strike you how um, homoerotic Top Gun is? Because it didn't strike me until I was well into my 30s um, when I watched it, how, especially the volleyball scene. <laughs> Right, yeah, uncomfortable um, that movie actually is. It, it now is. I, I think it, it's not the movie so much for me as it is the song that goes with the volleyball scene, Playing yeah. with the Boys. Playing it's, with the Boys, yeah. Uh, sorry, Kenny, um, you're ruining it for me. Yeah. Um, one of, you know, uh, um, uh, what's her name? I'm going to have to click into it now to remember her name. Goose's, uh, Goose's, Goose's wife, very famous. Um, why can't I remember her name? Meg Ryan. Meg Ryan. Oh, there you go. Um, actually, great performance by Meg Ryan in that movie. I mean, the in the fact that maybe it was because she was early enough in her career that you know she wasn't just playing Meg Ryan. I mean, later on in her career, she just plays Meg Ryan, right? Uh, but uh, in that movie, she definitely stands out as something different. And so did uh, the guy who plays Goose, whose name escapes me now too. I'll I'll think of in a second. Um, Doctor Green. Doctor Mark Green. Yeah, and it was in so many, many, many shows. Uh, ER, I remember. Revenge right. of the Nerds, wasn't he? Yes, he was in Revenge of the Nerds. He was Poindexter, uh, yeah. as I recall. Anthony Edwards, thank you. Anthony Edwards uh, was in was in Top Gun. Uh, Tom Skerritt, of course, in Top Gun too. And it's a movie that really it 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 stands up and it doesn't stand up to time. I mean, you can still go back. It's a little bit like Point Break. 
uh, Keanu Reeves uh, in the sense that you, if it's on, you'll turn it on and watch it for a while. But there are parts in that movie where, you know, if it gets to the to the parts in that movie, especially where Goose dies, spoiler alert, sorry, but it's been, oh, you know, no. it's, it's been nearly 30 years. I think actually it's been more than, it's been 35 years if you haven't watched it yet. Uh, you know, there are parts in that movie where I can just sort of walk away for 40 minutes and then come back and pick it up again. But Top Gun, a uh, great movie. Uh, funny story. I've, I've kind of gotten hooked on this, uh, um, on the Motor Trend channel. There's a show called Roadkill. I don't know if you've watched Roadkill. Uh, I enjoy it a lot. They, they, they find junk cars or older cars that are of you know, an interesting vintage, but they don't really fix them up. They just get them running, you know, with zip ties and duct tape. And uh, you learn a lot about cars because they figure out what it takes to get it running. I was, I'm often reminded of the the enduro race car that you had for a while that we that we tried to get running because they're they're about that vintage but uh he finds an old ford maverick uh and they decide that they're going to run that but he, instead of naming it a maverick instead of naming it maverick he names it goose because he's convinced yeah because he's convinced that it's in such poor uh repair that it won't make it through the first episode uh, and uh, and by the way he he's he's right uh, as a matter of fact so top gun 1986 that that definitely uh when people think of Tom Cruise, they have to think of Top Gun, right? I mean, that's 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 Tom Cruise, right? That's where it starts. That's where it, it, if you will, takes off for me. So, what is your feeling about the color of money with uh, Tom Cruise uh, and uh, uh, Paul Newman and Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio? Uh, of course, Eric Clapton did the soundtrack. Martin Scorsese directed it. But this is a movie that really kind of. You know, this is at a crossroads with a lot of people. Did you like Color of Money? I didn't dislike it. I wasn't excited about it either. It was just another movie. I really like Color of Money. It's one of my favorites, uh, and I don't know why. Uh, I just, I like the way it was filmed, probably. I'm kind of geeky that way. Uh, it's it's one of those movies where you kind of, it's like Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, and that's going to really upset a lot of people, and it's totally different. I understand that, but just the setting of it, um, it's a movie that once you start to watch it, it, it just sort of feels like something you, you slide into um, versus something you're watching. Uh, it's just got this enveloping feel to it. And I like that about The Color of Money. And part of it is, again, the soundtrack. I, you know, I, I like the soundtrack a lot for that one, too. Uh, but it's, a, it's kind of a mildly depressing, and yet at the same time, you just, you just can't look away. So I like that one. Uh, one movie I've seen only once is Cocktail. Did you see Cocktail? I've seen parts of Cocktail. I haven't seen it all the way through it. It looks like just a, you know, a feel-good movie. Let's make some money and get people to drink stuff. Yeah, don't didn't really care too much. Uh, Rain Man uh, definitely was one of uh, his highest acclaimed movies with Dustin Hoffman. Uh, definitely, definitely, definitely not my underwear. Uh, that was the uh, <laughs> Rain Man, right? Um, I saw that in the theater. You know, it is what it is. I've probably only seen it about twice, though. Um, I really enjoyed that movie. I don't know that it's one that I have to go back and see multiple times. Yeah. I, I, I've seen it probably two, three times. And the second and third time is just because I caught it on TBS one night. Yeah, it's just not one that I felt like, wow, Rain Man's on. Let's watch that. Or one that I've wanted to share with my kids. Um, they've certainly seen Top Gun, my kids. Um, but they they have not seen Rain Man, probably. I don't know why. Another movie my kids have seen, uh, 1990. Cole Trickle, Days of Thunder. Cole Trickle. Perhaps the greatest 
uh, Hollywood facsimile name for a race car driver ever, Cole Trickle. Mm. I know you have thoughts on Days of Thunder, so I'll just sit back and let you um, dump your thoughts on Days of Thunder. I love Days of Thunder, if I may. Cole, mm -hmm. I want you to hit the pace car. Hit the, <laughs> hit the pace, pace car. car. <laughs> You've hit everything else out there. I want you to hit the pace car. I, you know, I, again, the one, the one critique I would have of Days of Thunder is very similar to the critique uh, that I would have of Top Gun in the sense that there's about 45 minutes there that I can just walk away, right? I mean, after he and uh, Rowdy Yates get in their crash and then he's blind for a while and, and Rowdy's got to take the, the goodies for his, for his swelling brain, uh, all of that stuff is just boring and uninteresting to me. Uh, but, uh, you know, there, there's about 50 minutes of uh, Days of Thunder that's just, that's just wonderful to enjoy, right? Yeah, that's great. Fantastic movie. Uh, now, you mentioned the crash scene and what happens after the crash, trying to cover get back on the track. The ballad of Ricky Bobby did a much better job of handling the crash and the uh -huh. after effects. Um, so if you're, you know, if you could just take that piece of the ballad of ricky bobby plug it into days of thunder you'd have a perfect movie yeah i think what is the line i i have seen larger crashes but this is by far the longest crash that i've <laughs> ever seen uh, in a, uh, a national race all right this is fun we're gonna come back there we've got a lots more uh uh tom cruise movies to go through believe me uh and we're not gonna hit all of them my god if we try to hit every tom cruise movie uh this would be a mini series uh, this would not be a podcast. And I checked, and it is a podcast. So we will strip this down a little bit and uh, get our way through it. Make a better podcast. This is segment number two. We're coming back. Segment number three. Hang in there. We will see you in a couple minutes. back to Top Gun is it I feel the need the need for speed is it uh, great balls of fire or that love and feeling what do you think is the most cliched and uh, both at the same time identifiable part of Top Gun goose take me to bed or lose me forever oh you one-upped me you know what you're absolutely right that is probably I'm sorry, I'm sorry. goose you big stud take me to better lose me forever yeah you're creeping me out now don't you don't need to repeat that when the when the audio goes down that's a little creepy uh but you're right <laughs> you you nailed it that uh that that probably is the part um although i will say that um oh is it hot shots i think uh when uh charlie sheen before charlie sheen went crazy uh is playing kind of the uh the spoof of of maverick and uh you know, there's the part in Top Gun where it says you've got your father's eyes. And of course, he's carrying his father, literally his father's eyeballs around <laughs> in a little jewel case. Uh, and at the end of the movie, he threw, you know, at the end of Top Gun, uh, you know, uh, Maverick throws 
Goose's dog tags into the water. And at the end of, I think it's Hot Shots. At the end of Hot Shots, Charlie Sheen throws his father's eyeballs in, into the water. Uh, so it's, these movies have an impact, like it or not, they have an impact. Uh, <laughs> and and it, it echoes back in other movies. Another movie that had an impact, uh, Far and Away with uh, Nicole Kidman. Uh, so Days of Thunder and Far and Away both had Nicole Kidman in it. Somewhere along the lines there, uh, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman started their uh, their love affair slash marriage, I guess, whatever you want to call it. Uh, far and Away, I think I also saw in the theater. Uh, I'm going to check because what I remember about this movie, and I think it'll tell me, yeah, two hours and 20 minutes. Two hours and 20 minutes. That's what I remember about Far and Away. That is a really long freaking movie. Two hours to build up to the good 20 minutes is what that oh, movie was. Crazy. And that was probably about the time, if I looked it up, Dances with Wolves was probably around that time period too. This is where, you know, we were going to make Westerns and we were going to make them as long as possible. And that one was was certainly uh, no exception. Uh, the one that follows this though, also in 1992, you know, here's the thing, Days of Thunder. Okay, so we've got... Uh, Top Gun, 1986, Color of Money, 86, Cocktail, 88, Rain Man, 88, Born on the Fourth of July, 89, Days of Thunder, 90, Far and Away, 92, Few Good Men, 92, The Firm, 93. Okay, we're going to continue with these. And they, by the way, it just continues that way. This guy works his arse off. And so, again, I'll point back again at him yelling at his crew and his half a billion dollars. You can't deny this guy is busting his tail. He's got basically a movie a year coming out since 1981. And by the way, I'm scrolling up here. That continues up to present day. That's pretty freaking impressive and a, a lot of work. Well, not only is it impressive that he's doing it, but he lost his studio. I mean, whoever he had a contract with, they, they cut him free. They said, no, we're done with you, Tom Cruise. And he went and just did it on his own. So now he's in charge of the whole thing. I mean, he's the production company. Um, there is no one backing him. He's the backer. So kudos to him for, for keeping it rolling even uh, during that adversity. Well, and maybe that's a lesson, right? We're seeing that in this COVID period right now. It's the entrepreneurs that we're all looking at right now. I mean, I'll, you know, I'll nod to Ayn Rand here, but you know, there's a, a few, and you and I worked for one in particular, who I won't mention right now because we don't do that. But uh, there, there are a few entrepreneurs out there that are that are that are making noise, trying to you know keep the country moving in the right direction, and and trying to. Uh, stay as free for commerce at least as as they can and you look at tom he he certainly caused his own problems uh but yeah he's now his his captain of his own ship and he's putting in the effort to keep that ship afloat um you know say what you will about the guy i'm not I'm, i don't know that i even call myself a tom cruise fan i'm just in awe of all of this work it is amazing to see this much production uh, and how many of these movies that I'm looking at, because look at it this way, I, I could bring up Tom Selleck, who I also really respect and like, and I could scroll through and I'll bet you half of the movies I won't recognize because I won't have seen them or they're made for TV or whatever. Uh, this is pretty impressive when you think about not just how many movies there are here, but how flipping big these are. A Few Good Men, 1992. Um, that movie is on continuously. Uh, 
I bet if I flip the TV on right now, TBS, TNT, one of those channels is going to be showing uh, a few good men. And if not now, it'll be on at midnight. Uh, incredible how often that movie is played. And it is still a movie that if it's on, I'll watch a few minutes of it. Um, cannot stand Demi Moore in that movie. I constantly want to reach through the TV and shake her and say, you're a, you're a pain in the butt. Uh, but that being said, it's a, it's a really good movie. I assume you've seen Few Good Men. I've seen a Few Good Men. What, what separates that one from uh, most of his other movies is that this one doesn't have much for action in it. It's not an action film by any means. It's all dialogue, and he handles himself very well. It's a courtroom drama. Um, you know, it really, it really is a courtroom drama. Um, you know, it's, it's got its cliche and it, certainly its caricatures in the courtroom scenes and all that. And I'm not saying that this is, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't be the person to tell you what a great cinematic work is and just know what I consume. But you can't deny the fact that this thing has staying power. And it's amazing how much that is shown. Uh, another movie that's shown a lot, another legal movie, uh, The Firm. Uh, where he is uh, the lawyer for the mob down in Louisiana. Uh, that also is a, a very good movie. And one of the few movies uh, that has a, pian a piano as the main music score throughout and sort of this sort of chaotic piano piece, um, you know, throughout it or piano bed and piano accompaniment throughout the whole, whole movie. Uh, the firm is pretty, pretty interesting. So, I, uh, you did not see it? Yeah, not, you should. I think you'd like The Firm. Uh, the Firm is, is pretty good. It has, uh, I just rewatched recently Basic Instinct, uh, which I see, I assume you've seen, uh, Michael Douglas and Sharon Stone. Um, you know, mm -hmm. it was caricature of the, of the 90s. Uh, uh, Gene Triplehorn um, is who plays um, Michael Douglas's girlfriend, I'll put it that way, I guess, in Basic Instinct. She also plays Abby McDeer. Tom Cruise's wife in uh, The Firm. Um, I think you'd like it. It's a good movie. It really is a good movie. It, uh, it's enjoyable. It's a Tom Cruise movie. What the hell? Watch it. You're not going to be sorry. Uh, I have not seen Interview with the Vampire. I don't like vampires. I don't like monster movies. I don't like zombies. Uh, so I can't say anything about that. Uh, the first Mission Impossible movie, 1996, uh, was a lot of fun. Uh, has John Voight in it, in fact, who I just mentioned earlier. Um, as reboots go, pretty darn good. I enjoyed it. I like all the Mission Impossible movies. This one is controversial, the one that follows. Uh, what are your feelings on Jerry Maguire, also in 1996? Show me the money. Show me uh, the money. I, you know, I thought it was a good flick. It was, you know, had a, a cute romance in it. It had a cute kid in it who, uh, you know, what is a human head weigh eight pounds, that kid? Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it was fun. It wasn't, I don't think, uh, you know, a award winner. Um, if it was, I apologize, but it was just, it was out there. It was fun to watch. I uh, like that movie. If for no other reason, than it's different uh, as romantic comedies go. Um, it is a different kind of a story. It's, you know, they made a kind of a hero out of this horrible role, you know, sports, a sports agent. Um, so from that perspective, it's good. And it's a pretty well-written movie too. You have to admit that. Uh, it's, it's a good story. It's well-written. It's got its, you know, it's got its cliches, but it's pretty good. Uh, Eyes Wide Shut, 1999, Stanley Kubrick. Weird is, weird, yeah. weird AF, I think is what the kids would say today. So we'll just, we'll move beyond that one. Um, 
Magnolia. I did not see Magnolia, 1999, but I've heard of it. It's been on, it's been on, you know, the guide or whatever, and I've skipped over it. Yeah, no. Mission Impossible 2, of course, I saw that. All the Mission Impossibles I've liked. Vanilla Sky, I did not see. Uh, uh, I did see that. Very artistic, but yet weird. Uh, so that's a no for me. Yeah, it's one of those where if I'm sick enough at some point, uh, I'll probably watch some of these. Um, uh, Minority Report. Uh, that was a Steven Spielberg movie, which I didn't realize when I saw it. I, I thought that that actually was uh, just another action movie, but it turns out it is a Steven Spielberg movie. Uh, it's a creepy movie. It's, I think, a good movie, um, but doesn't get a whole lot of play. You don't see it like replayed, you know, like The Firm or, or um, A Few Good Men on TNT or whatever, um, but Minority Report 2002. And see I that one? Seen that one. No, I, it's one that I've been meaning to see, just never have. Um, you're going to have to want to see it because you're not going to find it on TV. You're going to have to decide to find it on Amazon or Netflix and, and watch it. And it, you know, it's worth it. I would say it's worth it. It's kind of creepy. I would say this. And to be honest with you, with where we are in our world right now with contact tracing and whatnot, it wouldn't be the worst thing for you to watch because it might ah. creep you out. Um, I did not know this. Tom Cruise is listed as a uh, as a actor in Austin Powers Goldmember. Do you remember Tom Cruise being in Goldmember? Because I sincerely do not. Um, it's towards the end of the movie. Austin Powers is watching an Austin Powers movie, and they have uh, famous actors doing yeah. cameos or whatever, playing other actors. He was the uh, the guy with the eye patch. He was playing him. Oh, now now that you say it that way, I seem to remember that only briefly. I didn't watch. I mean, I liked the very first couple Austin Powers movies. I don't remember that I liked Goldmember all that much because it had the Dutch guy in it, right? Painted gold and that got that wore thin on me very quickly. So uh, anyway, he was in Austin Powers. Last Samurai, 2003, I did not see. Nope. I did not see Collateral in 2004. Uh, if I did, I don't remember it. Uh, 2005 War of the Worlds, uh, underrated, very good. Uh, remake, uh, obviously, of War of the Worlds, um, very good, 2005. And there's another remake, I think, of War of the Worlds with Keanu Reeves. It's very good as well. But this is the Tom Cruise 2005. I've seen it once. Uh, Mission Impossible 3, again, of course, saw it. Uh, Lions for Lambs did not see that one, 2017 or 2017. Back up to MI3 real quick. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is where I start getting lost in the MI3s because people have these masks that look like real people that they can take on and put off yes. at any time. Yes. Um, you don't know who's good, who's bad, who you trust, who you don't trust. Yeah, just give me a couple of solid characters that I know that he can always depend on. But it, it just seems like it's it's – no one you can't you can't trust anyone and, and that frustrates me mi2 and mi3 i think is where we really started to see the uh, elevation of the sport bike in the mission impossible series which uh, i appreciated so yes. i'm not, i'm going to give it props just for that and these are movies again where who cares about the plot just wait for stuff to blow up uh that's you know that that there's something to be said for that and i think they are what they they are and they don't try to be any more than that I'm going to move it along here a little quicker. We are, woo, we are burning through the time because there's a lot to go through. We're only up to two, 2006 here. Lions for Lambs, 2007, never saw it. Nope. Uh, the next one I bet you saw, I'm guessing, but I didn't. Tropic Thunder in 08. Did you see Tropic Thunder? I did see it. I don't remember his character in it. 
Yeah, I, I, it's one of those movies where, if I'm right, isn't this sort of a, uh, you know, a, you know, a slapstick goofy? Yeah, Ben Stiller on the cover of it. Uh, yeah, that's that's just not me. Sorry, I'm sure lots of people really like it, but that's just not me. Uh, Valkyrie, uh, Colonel Claus von Stauffenberg in 2008 saw it once. Nope. Night and Day, K-N-I-G-H-T, 2010. I don't believe I saw that one. At least I don't remember it. Nope. Uh, Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol, 2011. This is a great Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol. Um, this is the one in which the IMF gets shut down. They go into Ghost Protocol. Is this the one where he slides down the building in like Abu Dhabi or something, if I remember right? Uh, very cool. Movie. Uh, that's a good one. Uh, Rock of Ages, 2012. Don't remember that one at all. Uh, excellent comedy. It was great. If you're into 80s hair bands, it uh, brought Ooh. out the worst of all of those. I will make a note of that one. Uh, 2012, controversial again here, because if you're a Lee Childs fan and you read the Jack Reacher movies or Jack Reacher books, I read a few of them. You were very frustrated with the choice of Tom Cruise to play Jack Reacher in the movie called Jack Reacher. And he played actually a couple different back. Uh, this is 2012 and 2016. He comes back and reprises the role. Is Jack Reacher never go back? Um, Jack Reacher in the books is six foot six. He's blonde. Uh, he is kind of quiet. He's uh, just com completely ripped. Um, Ex-Marine. I think he's Marine. He might be Army. Uh, definitely military police anyway. Uh, scary as all get out and just not Tom Cruise, right? Tom Cruise is what, five foot two, a gymnast, you know, great. Right. You know, he's, right. he's super fit, but he's not Jack Reacher. I, I'm, did you, I don't, yeah, I know you're not much of a reader, right? You probably did. Did you read Lee Child's books, the Reacher series? I did. I did read those. I, I really enjoyed them. And I was, I was worried about it. Like you, when Tom Cruise was named uh, as the actor for that. Um, I didn't think that Cruise did a bad job with it. Um, but I don't think that the movies at all embody the book. Uh, certainly not. Certainly not. Um, though I do love the first one. The second one, not as much. Uh, the first Jack Reacher, I think, is a really good movie. Uh, it's got uh, Robert Duvall in it, which have, you know, we'll just kind of uh, cast our eyes backwards towards Days of Thunder, where he and, uh, he and Tom Cruise were together there again. Uh, but, you know, the first one's a very good movie. I liked it a lot. Um, it's based on, I think, the I said One Shot, I think, is the uh, Lee Childs book that one's based on. Did not follow the book at all. Certainly not. Right. Uh, but, you know, that's that's true of a lot of these movies uh, that that follow a book. But you know what? I think uh, Cruise did a pretty good job of not turning it into Tom Cruise as Jack Reacher, but being Jack Reacher, um, which I appreciated in 2012. Uh, another uh, movie that doesn't get a lot of play that should is Oblivion, uh, where he plays Jack in Oblivion. Uh, if I remember right, um, Morgan Freeman is in uh, Oblivion with him. Uh, that's a really good movie. It's one of those that'll show up on a Sunday afternoon or something on one of the minor movie channels. Uh, it's a sci-fi flick. He ends up, he's really kind of playing a clone as you find out. Uh, it's actually listed as an independent movie in 2013, which I didn't realize. It's a pretty high budget independent movie. Uh, that's Oblivion. You see Oblivion? Uh, good. I would actually recommend Oblivion. It's a it's a good one. Uh, I actually enjoyed that one quite a bit. Edge of Tomorrow. I did not see. Um, it's on my list, maybe to watch, but I did not see Edge of Tomorrow. 
I did see that. It's interesting. Uh, good action. Uh, um, the plot is interesting. So I'd recommend it for, you know, if you want to shoot them up type movie. Rogue Nation Mission Impossible follows that then. Uh, this would be in uh, 2015. Uh, another great sport bike movie. If you're a sport bike fan, uh, he, you know, gets connected up with a an ex-counterpart love interest slash, uh, and there's some pretty brutal scenes surrounding those motorcycle races and shooting and crashing and whatnot. Uh, another good one, uh, in my view. All the Mission Impossible movies uh, are good. You know, they're not like the Fast and the Furious where it's like, okay, is that the one I like or the one I don't like? Um, usually all of these have a redeeming quality that are worth at least watching three quarters, if not all of it. I wonder if Mission Impossible is a lot like the Jason Bourne movies. You know, yeah. I love Jason Bourne. Um, uh, that series, um, I even like the one that didn't even have what's his face in it. Um, yeah, the one with Jeremy Renner in it that uh, yeah. didn't have Matt Damon. Yeah. Yep. Still liked it. Um, I just I like the way that those are done. So I wonder if it's like Ford and Chevy, like you like the Bourne series, but you don't like Mission Impossible, or vice versa, you like Mission Impossible, but you don't like the Bourne series, or do you get to enjoy both? They're kind of like. Uh, bear with me now. I'm drawing a really hard analogy here, but. Uh, the Bourne movies, the, the, the Jack Mission Impossible movies are kind of like albums from Chicago. You know, it's like different lead singers, different styles, but, you know, all of them, you know, whether it's the 1980s Chicago or the 1970s Chicago, they all have, they all have something in them for you to pick up and, and enjoy regardless of how they're put together. So hard analogy, but I don't know, maybe it works. Uh, we already... We already hit on Jack Reacher, Never Go Back a little bit. Um, that one isn't as good as the first one, in my view, but it's not bad. It has the uh, the new Laura Croft in it, whose name I don't remember uh, right now off the top of my head. I think, am I right about that? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm right about that. Uh, no, I am wrong about that. Now you're confusing me going back to thinking about uh, Jason Bourne. That's what I was thinking about. She's the, in the Jason Bourne movies. Uh, this is actually somebody else, somebody named Kobe Smolders, who I actually did not like in this movie, who plays a uh, uh, current uh, military police officer. And uh, she actually ruined the movie for me. I never could kind of get her into character. So I had a lot of trouble. That's probably the biggest problem I had with the second Jack Reacher movie. Interesting. Uh, the Mummy, which I've seen half of. Um, so he is in a... Uh, a movie called The Mummy in 2017. I've seen half of it. Did you ever see all of it? I haven't seen all of it. I don't even know if I saw the one with Brandon and Frazier. So. Those are um, really good. Um, the uh, the Brandon Frazier ones are really good. The first one, at least. Um, the one, you know, the Scorpion King with the rock and all that, they are what they are. But uh, I haven't seen this one all, all but about half of it. Uh, I definitely think they turned up the creepy uh, meter on the uh, Tom Cruise version, but um, didn't see enough of it to have opinion, I guess. Uh, American Made 2017, haven't seen. Mission nope. Impossible, you have you? No. Uh, Mission Impossible Fallout, uh, definitely have seen that one. Uh, you know, again, it's, you know, these are all just up to a level, right? So I don't really have more to say about it than that, than to say that those were good movies. Uh, Au revoir. So now we're getting into stuff that's brand new. So obviously, uh, Mission Impossible 7 and Mission Impossible 8 are both being filmed right now. Believe that. Uh, 2021, 2022. They're both filming as we speak, 7 and 8, which is pretty amazing. Um, Top Gun Maverick is done. It should have been out already, but 
FU Corona. Uh, we are waiting on Top Gun Maverick to actually come out. I am super excited uh, for that one. I'm, I hope it's not a bust. I'm cautiously excited because it could take down the whole franchise. It could take down the whole thing if it's not done right. I know, but let's just hope it's done right, right? Because it could be fun if it's good. Um, but uh, yeah, that I guess sometime this coming year, we'll see finally get to see Top Gun Maverick. Uh, again, and Mission Impossible 7 will come out next year, Mission Impossible 8 the year after, and they're both being, being filmed. Uh, Live, Die, Repeat, Repeat, which I think is a... Uh, uh, a remake or, or a sequel potentially. And then he's got this crazy uh, movie he is uh, filming. Uh, it's untitled, uh, but it's the SpaceX project where he's supposedly going into space on SpaceX, going up to the space station, and they'll be filming the movie in space, one of the first ones ever. That's right. I remember hearing about that. Filmed in space. Crazy, right? Um, and, and I guess that's probably what better way to end this than to say that the guy is going to go to space. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's, you've got, it, he might be the best person between the, all of the stuff that he's done in the press and the news, his jump the couch moments, his, his, I think he's made some um, postpartum even comments and things um, that are not worth celebrating. Uh, but if you want to just, again, sit down and watch a movie uh, Tom Cruise has pulled together some 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 worthy entertainment, and you have to you have to at least acknowledge the fact. Again, literally, if you scroll through his IMDb list, uh, Internet Movie Database, if you're not used to using IMDb, and if you're not, where are you? I mean, come on, this is the only way to watch a movie is to sit, watch the movie, open up the IMDb page, and then look for the gaffes and look for the trivia when you're watching the movie. But uh, Agreed. it's like a movie a year. It's a movie a year. Uh, that's incredibly impressive um, for me. I mean, this is a guy who's working every day, every month of every year. I'm looking forward to another movie that's coming on, and it's where uh, space aliens drop the souls of people into volcanoes. Uh, oh, wait, that's Scientology. Sorry, never mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's some more of the baggage. And I thought you were going to re-reference back to uh, to uh, Tom Hanks again. What was Tom Hanks' volcano movie where we, we was throwing somebody in the volcano? Do you remember that? Joe versus the volcano. Joe, yeah. yeah. Yep. Joe versus, God. And that's another great example. I bet if I scrolled through Tom Hanks' IMDb page, it'd be a movie a year too. I mean, these are people who are just... We're just working. All right. Well, bear with us, folks. Sorry that we took you through that, but uh, it's it's the holidays, uh, and uh, I thought it was worth actually rolling through Tom Cruise movies because I tell you, it is something that um, movies right now and streaming video and all of that are just—it's about our only entertainment. And uh, so some of these um, we've probably watched during this period of time, um, but it's it's also just it's it's such an important time. Um, a consumer of our time that to not actually pay attention to it as a topical interest just maybe seems wrong. I don't know about you. Yeah. And I feel the same. I mean, eventually already I'm going to get burnt out on holiday movies. So oh my gosh, uh, I think this would be a, a, a nice change of pace once uh, we we've wrapped that up. Um, something else to move on to. Hey, you know, uh, before we close out here tonight, I have uh, something I want to re-reference back here, and it's going to be a reference to a uh, past. Whoa. Whoa, gosh. Now, see, my production value was so good there for just a second, and then I screwed it all up again. Uh, a past salute that we did. So, you know, I, I felt kind of bad for uh, making a big reference to a national brand. 
Uh, and now, you know what, and before I even get into my actual one I want to reference here tonight, I want to make a call out back to a former salute that we did. I think it was a salute, uh, or at least, if nothing else, we acknowledged Bill's Toggery uh, in Shakopee. I recognized and finally got involved in their uh, Facebook live stream. Have you been doing the Facebook live shopping with uh, Bill's Toggery uh, here uh, locally? Yes, I have. I followed the first one. Um, I thought it was a really cool experience. I, I think that he's on his third one now, or maybe his fourth. Um, I haven't, I've missed the other ones, but I did, did get to see the first one. I have procrastinated and not done it either. And I'm not in Facebook all the time. So, I mean, I notice these things, um, but I happened to see it today. I actually, I was not live either, by the way, you can go back and rewatch these and um, which sounds kind of weird, except that the deals quote unquote, and basically to set this up, uh, Billy has a series of, of clothes or items that he, you know, assigns a number to and sort of QVC style, you know, shows you and, and sells you on this either garment or, you know, in this case, backpack or socks or whatever, he assigns a number to them. And then all you need to do to buy them is actually interact with Facebook Messenger. And so you do things like say, okay, I want item number uh, sold, item 113, large. And then it's affiliated with a third party service that's that's connected to the messenger platform. And uh, as you send that message in on his live feed, it throws that item in your cart. So you have an opportunity then to jump over to that system um, and it gives you a nice link and everything. It's well integrated, actually it's pretty tight. Uh, and then you can choose to buy or remove those items from your cart. You can do that after the live stream finishes as well. And I thought it was a, uh, it's a it's a neat innovative idea, especially now for doing Christmas shopping um, and and still having that very personal experience. Billy takes you through, uh, you know, the high end clothes that they have and the high end products that they have, just like he would if you were there. Uh, and it's a it's a really nice experience. So I wanted to give a, a quick shout out uh, to Bill's Tigery and uh, what they're doing uh, in being innovative in this weird time. Yeah, he does a great job. Um, going into the store is always a great experience, and now this just adds to it. So I wanted to re-reference back, though, a former salute that I did. And as I said, I felt kind of guilty going to a national brand like Domino's because, you know, when I brought up Domino's, I thought, yeah, okay, you know, Domino's is doing okay. Why would I? Why would I give them a salute? But, you know, in my view, they were they were just doing they were giving a quality of, of service they didn't need to. I mean, as of right now, it's one of the few places that's still open. They're, they're definitely a COVID stock. They're benefiting from the fact that we're all stuck at home and we're having to order in food. Or um, if we're going to order in food, somebody like Domino's who has all of the infrastructure to support delivering is going to just benefit over everybody else. Um, so they wouldn't really have to provide you a a level up service and they really have they they really have they're consistent they're predictable uh their app is great uh i i thought they were doing a really good job and again they're they, they are what they are i mean you're not you know you're gonna get a domino's pizza if, if that's what what you wanted then this isn't for you but you know end of the day if that's what you wanted you're going to get that and you're going to get what you paid for and you're going to have a good experience when you do it well, I wanted to call it back because in the news here last week, there was a news story that I thought was worth highlighting. Domino's commits more than $9.6 million to frontline worker bonuses. So Domino's Pizza uh, has announced this week that more than 11,500 company-owned store and supply chain hourly team members and drivers are going to receive a special bonus in December, an investment totaling more than $9.6 million. Eligible team members will earn up to $1,200 uh, in bonus 
compensation. So I, I thought that was worth calling out again. Not only are they, uh, they doing good works and maintaining a quality product, uh, but they're recognizing that <laughs> these poor delivery drivers and these poor people working in the stores right now are busting their tail. I mean, they are the tip of the sword uh, for the profits and the value they're taking. Uh, and they are choosing to give that money back at least a bit uh, to those same workers who are, who are, you know, who are giving them their success. So maybe a bit of a populist statement, but who cares? Um, you know, here, here's to them and here's to, uh, here's to the sentiment. Here's to that $9.6 million right at Christmas time uh, for those hardworking people. Well, I think that's just awesome. Um, you know, giving it back to the people who are making it happen. That's the right thing to do. All right. Well, I think you got anything else, sir, or did, uh, did we find the end of this episode? Um, you know, I, I think our episode is pretty pointless. So, you know, it's always about finding a way to make peace with it. Know that there are some bad Tom Cruise movies, but there are really good ones too. So that's how you make peace with Tom Cruise. I, I don't really have any problem. I think you just summed it up perfectly. Uh, and you know what? There's, uh, you know, there's a lesson to be learned. Find some entertainment, you know, and maybe don't read so much into it. Get off the Twitter. Uh, get out of the uh, People magazine. Get off of TMZ. Good God, get off of TMZ. Uh, and uh, you know what? If you enjoy it, don't feel guilty. Just enjoy it. And, uh, you know, if it didn't hurt anybody and you didn't, you didn't hurt anyone and it didn't make you feel bad, uh, then, then you're okay. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff in Tom Cruise's list for sure. And if nothing else, I'm just impressed at how hard this guy works. And you know what? When he was ranting at those people, there's a little part of me that felt good because you know what he was saying? He was saying, you know what? We're not going to be allowed to work unless we do what we're supposed to do. So suck it up. I don't have a problem with that. Hey, make it better. See you next week. <laughs>